welcome to the Arts Equator Dance Podcast. I'm Sue and this evening I'm here with Melissa Quek, who is a choreographer, dancer and teacher who's been in the Singapore scene for a little over 10 years now. And um, we're here together to talk about performances that we watched as a part of the M1 Contact Contemporary Dance Festival organized by the Human Expressions Dance Company. Um, and this festival, we zoomed in on platforms which are showcasing emerging artists and independent artists. The first two, diversity and offstage, focus mainly on Singapore-based artists. And the M1 Open Stage is currently a platform that is very much an international showcase of pieces from independents from around the world. It's uh, selected by Open Call but also in connection with an exchange of festival platforms that THE is part of. So, it was actually quite a tough choice um, to decide what to focus on uh, when we come to M1 Contact Festival because there is really just such a range of programming. And that's maybe for a start to point out that it's a real treat to have such a variety of um, of performance, quality, of style, of different voices to, to look at at one time, and that they're situated within something where you look at companies um, who are quite established, uh, choreographers who are quite established, and then independents and newly emerging dancers. But I must admit, it's something that can be quite challenging to take in, actually. The whole of the festival spreads over something just over a month, and we watched uh, three performances in the space of about three weeks. The three performances that we caught this year were Diversity, which is a platform for the completion of works in progress. This year featuring three pieces by Singaporean independent artists, um, Amelia Chong with Namu, Adelgo and Jermaine Cheng with Disappearing Act, Edwin Wee and Rachel Lum with Double Tap. We also watched Offstage, which is a studio showing for emerging artists' works in progress. And we saw Zuna Zafira and her work Lunas, Shima Sabtu, her work Hazir, Michelle Lim with Homesick, and Moharianto from Indonesia with Sila. Then to round it off, we caught one of the open stage showcases. And just to say that the open stage program is now incredibly extensive. There are three programs, so we managed to catch one of them, and this was program A, where we caught Tennis Now or Never by Nimrod Freed, um, Leftovers by Josh Martin, Honeybee and the Dandelion by Hong Guofeng and Chua Chok Wun, and The Man by Yan Molmer and Tian Tai Wei. Melissa, how was the season for you? Um, long. <laughs> but, uh, but it was exciting to see a lot of different works this year. I actually felt that the work in diversity had a different flavor to it from past years. Um, and it is possibly because of this focus on the independent artists. Um, and it was actually quite exciting to see work by artists who have recently left um, companies and really branching out in, and trying to find their own voices in, in this work. And it was a good platform for that. So what I found really interesting was the, this sort of focus on the small movements, um, the subtle movements that exist within the body and how they chart that in their movements. And so this kind of freedom 
from certain expectations perhaps, but that they're really trying to allow out in the work that they're creating. Thanks for pointing out. Amelia Chong is uh, quite a new graduate from the New Zealand School of Dance, but Adele, Edwin and Rachel have recently left uh, Singapore dance companies and are stepping out on their own. What really struck me that evening for diversity was Adele's piece, Disappearing Act. She began standing at the back of the stage, but she had the feeling she was even further away, almost trapped behind a pane of glass, mm. speaking to a soundtrack that we couldn't hear. Mm. It, was quite, it was quite evocative with this um, mysterious black skirt hanging in front of her, which later made its way onto her body and pretty much swallowed her up actually by the end. It was a really distinctive work and really took me through a sense of progression of different states mm. and I enjoyed it very much. I think for me that sense of, because she did use quite gestural uh, quotidian everyday language sometimes with the hands and the mouthing and so she she becomes very much a person and a character but also very fictional in some ways mm -hmm. like that so maybe that same sense of distance where you know it's it's not to the point where you're calling you're saying that it's like an animal it's still she's still human but this is in a surreal way actually i had a feeling when i was watching her in the beginning scene i felt like i was watching a deep fake you know those internet videos no was a deep fake ah okay <laughs> so a bit of a tangent but it's where um, I have a video of Melissa, but I want to make Melissa say something she didn't say. Oh, and right. using using AI computer graphics, like I would like reshape her mouth. Yeah. To. Okay. Yes, it has that feeling. Yes. Yeah. So that yeah, it's really. It, it was really quite a remarkable mm. physicality. Yeah. And it, I really had this feeling she was quite like a ghost. She was also covered in white powder, so I suppose yeah. that but, <laughs> really contributed and that was to that. That's really nice to put that sense of um, a distance, like a ghost. And then as the work progresses, she or the person emerges more. Mm. And, and, and I see that her, her stage presence. I think Adele has an amazing stage presence. Mm. And so that starts to come through. And perhaps that's, that humanity also starts to come through a little bit more as the performance progresses, for me anyway. Mm -hmm. mm. Amelia was quite a nice surprise for me too. I hadn't encountered her work before. I, I mm. didn't see her work, um, this work actually, when it showed up last year at Offstage. Mm. Um, and it was picked for development. It was actually taken by a festival in Australia before she, I guess, rounded it off and then showed it at Diversity. Um, she's got a really unique way of moving. She was somewhere between like stick insect and animal and she emerged from this incredible enormous black piece of plastic tarp. Mm. Like like some kind of uh, subhuman. Yeah, I was going to say unhuman like <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know. What it, it was quite gripping. Very very simple mm. um, in terms of props and uh, costume but very effective and yeah. she's a very intense performer. Yeah, there's incredible focus on what her body was doing even through the repetition and um, yeah her, her physicality I think also connects really well to her physique mm. um, yeah with really long she's an extremely tall dancer and yeah very <laughs> so the lines that are created and therefore the ripples through the body that you see mm. as it comes through is sort of intensified through that mm -hmm. yeah. so moving on to off stage I think it's it's quite it was quite a contrast. The sense that came through for me watching that program of four works in progress was very much a sense of like warmth and bloodfulness and human connection. 
um, that was very much the orientation for me. Um, what really stood out for me were two pieces. The first one was by Moharianto, who was the only international artist in this program. He's from Indonesia, he's from Solo, and his work had a quite ritual sense about it. Um, ritual almost maybe animistic. Mm. Um, he spent most of the piece seated with his feet folded in, in yoga, what you call a lotus position, kind of constrained to that, but shaking and vibrating with like huge intensity, almost like as if he was possessed, yeah. rolling around the stage and, and kind of grunting. It, it was hugely cathartic actually to watch. Mm. What was your highlight for the evening? Um, I think really the, the highlight was Shima's piece, um, Haser. Right. Uh, there was there were a lot of layers to it. There was a lot going on in it, and um, I might not know everything that's going on in it, but you can feel that richness. And I did think it was very brave of her to actually cast herself within the work. And um, I think there was a lot of uncovering of herself through it, um, also based on the post-show dialogue. And that sense of who is she is being discovered and how she's juxtaposing her body with the other bodies in space mm -hmm. and her use, overall use of the space because it was, it was an amazing moment to see a dancer um, really coming in from the car park mm. <laughs> through the window. Um, Maybe we could just describe right this a little bit. Yeah. This took place in THE studio at Goodman Art Centre and they have a corner studio and the audience was seated against the mirrors, so facing uh, a back wall which has two um, sliding door windows. Yeah. Um, it's a ground floor studio. That's right, yeah. yes. <laughs> a ground floor studio and we had um, Shima backed up in a corner, almost hidden behind some of the light fixtures, mm. counting in Malay and falling over, leaning against a wall. Um, mm while another of her collaborators was sitting in the middle of the studio, um, kneeling, imitating other audience members. Mm. And it started out as this duet. And a few minutes into the piece, her third dancer, Jonet, comes walking in across the grass and the car park through, the, through that, that sliding window into the studio with this great intensity and walks like right up past center stage quite close to us. It was a funny piece. It was a mysterious piece. And I really look forward to seeing how she's going to take it forward. Yeah. Actually, something that's quite interesting, including, you know, Mo, Mo Harianto's work and Zuno's work, um, that sense of meditation, or the meditative, uh, doesn't always have to be still. Mm. Um, and so there was, there was something within it that they had movement, and yet that ritual sense came through movement rather than stillness. And that meditation was coming through that. Because, like, Mo's... I don't know how he used his body, but he practically levitated himself off the floor with yes. the engagement of his muscles. He was like just jumping off. Um, so it's incredibly intense, right? Mm. And that, that sense of animism, I think, does come from his background to that uh, constant pounding. And yeah, it's amazing he didn't hurt himself. I, I think we were all quite worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> but he is clearly a very strong guy. Mm. Again, quite a shift then to come to open stage. And I, I guess to the festival programmers' credit, so many platforms for independent and emerging artists were framed in a way that each show was quite fresh in terms of its content and what we could approach and get out of it. So I actually haven't visited open stage for quite a while. It was a pleasant surprise to see that it's now very much an international platform. And it was, of course, a much more 
polished mm. aesthetic. These are these are completed works that are on show. It was also quite nice actually to be looking at local works embedded within an international program which I realize we talk a lot about development of local work and we have a lot of platforms specifically for local work and it's rare for us to I guess put a local piece under that that pressure mm. and that scrutiny to watch it with the same eyes and expectations with which we would watch something from abroad. Yeah. Um, I think what's really nice about doing that is it does help you highlight the kind of language that is coming out from uh, within each country generally. Although it's specific to an artist, sometimes it does have that effect mm -hmm. of making you consider um, is there something uh, specific to to the artist and the art coming out of that country or the physicality of people um, coming from a particular region or area um, that is coming through. So that was quite interesting to see um, because it was you know, Guo Feng's and Chuck's piece has a lightness to it. Mm, um, and a playfulness and sweetness. Yeah. that Romantic sweetness. That wasn't the same in the other pieces, yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not saying it's always like that in Singapore, but it's interesting to see the contrast um, that makes you ponder those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, it's, I think, worth noting that uh, open stage tends to be duets and solos, mm. generally. So, I mean, that was mostly what we saw. I guess as a festival exchange type of platform, I, I guess that's going to um, that's going to be expected because mm. of the economics. Yeah. Ah, fortunate or unfortunate mm -hmm. of touring small and simple works with not a lot of set. But speaking mm. of very characteristic signatures, which you can identify and sometimes associate with countries, I thought that was especially clear in the first piece. Yeah, I really liked the physicality of it. Um, this is Tennis, Now or Never by Nimrod Fried, performed by Noah Shavit. I think there's a tendency for us to expect work coming out of Israel to be very gaga based. But there's um, obviously more. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to see a, a larger range of work. But um, what you do still see there is, is this sort of quirkiness. And theatricality. It, yeah, mm -hmm. there was a lot of theatricality in it. The setting is on AstroTurf, right? <laughs> and and the soundscape, you hear this tennis match. They um, even they going. even rigged um, a panel of floods, but like from a high angle pointing down, so you really had that, that yeah. feeling of being in a sports arena. Yeah, and but they weren't being typical about it. Mm. Right? She, she sort of was trying to capture the emotion and the intensity perhaps of a match versus always the sense of my eyes go back and forth and go back and forth. And or she I never mimed any tennis Yeah, movements. exactly. But I had this sense of a, a struggle within the body or trying to extract something mm. from the body, this kind of yeah. angst. My picks for mm. the evening, I really enjoyed Leftovers by Josh Martin and it was a solo. And you know, I take this point that many dancers now are using um, popping technique mm. in contemporary dance. But there was something very distinctive about this piece, which was very simple in its construction, but very compact to my memory and to, to my experience. Mm -hmm. The dancer comes walking down a diagonal, but with very, very uh, finely graded staccato kind of pauses in each of his movements as he walks, coming forward and falling back. So it's almost as if we're watching him in uh, a rewind. Mm. but on on videotape, not on digital. I think we've almost <laughs> like lost that sense now of the jerkiness that happens yeah. when you watch something in reverse on, on, on videotape. And it had that sort of a, a gritty quality of it and mm. the sense already that something has already happened. 
And I felt like it was a piece taking us back back in time to some kind of cathartic event. He re-emerges after a blackout on the floor, moving slowly, struggling with a kind of getting up sequence again, but also intricately broken down and beautifully executed. Yeah, um, it was body control was obvious, like just the amount of it necessary to be able to stop so cleanly mm-hmm. um, was there. And, and it's really exciting to me when we get to see um, how the different movement languages start to interact and and how we you know can take something like a street dance style uh, out of um, the usual framing with the kind of music that it would go with and really uh, deconstruct it in uh, yeah and, and use it differently to tell something else or in, in a different way and so you get these mergings of the philosophies as well. Like, so he definitely approached the body in a way that we tend to associate with contemporary dance, right? Uh, this questioning of mind and body, yeah, and that's somatic. Yeah. So it, it was, it's exciting to see this, where contemporary dance is going in terms of when it, it takes also from pop culture. Yeah. I quite enjoyed noticing across the three programs the accidental correspondences that would show up, like a black liturgical skirt. Mm. Uh, electric guitars, um, uh, influences from popping, for example, that are so are, are so much becoming really a global currency, mm. but at the same time that are used in very different ways. I mean, I think we see that sort of animation, uh, popping, locking kind of um, physicality appearing in the man, um, mm, in the a very different way mm. from uh, from Josh, Josh Martin's, Martin's piece. Yeah, piece. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it. It sort of created this strange character. Smoking a yeah. cigarette. Yes, <laughs> repetitively. That um, was really quite an interesting piece, actually. Yeah, it was a bit sort of film Fair. noir, right? Did you get film that? noir slash dance theatre? Yeah, dance theatre in the the good old fashioned Pina Bausch way, and both of them are from Folkfang, by the way, mm. the University of the Arts, um, of, of a couple in in coats. Uh, not speaking, but having a very sort of uh, bizarre relationship with a telephone and an iron, where they kind of become inanimate objects and composite beings. Yeah, I. It's a surprisingly long piece too for this platform. Yeah, but it really keeps you engaged throughout. Mm. It just because their relationship kept changing, their relationship to each other, um, to the body also, um, and and I think that's what keeps you engaged as well. So you're constantly guessing what's actually going on here. But it does have that, again, creates that mystery with the lighting and the telephone, which is like a dial-up telephone, right? Yes, those old-fashioned... Um, yeah, and... What they call rotary, right? Rotary yeah. telephones, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and those, those really big, oversized code codes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one thing that watching these three shows got us talking about was also the, the nature of the platforms how they're, how they're selected, how they're curated, and what effect this can have on the dance communities that they are situated in, so in Singapore. And that's something that we're going to take into another podcast. So please tune in next month. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you.